Thank you, Jim. Well, it is a fifth Sunday, and even though we threw you off on the last fifth Sunday by not having a fifth Sunday, Doris has given me the evil eye over there because she brought food for the potluck last time, and we never said anything about not having a fifth Sunday. So anyway, we are having a fifth Sunday service today. Of course, we had a fifth Sunday then, but we just didn't call it a special theme, right? But this morning, we are going to feature our teachers. That's why you see up there, teacher feature. Who remembers, who remembers back in the, in the 60s and 70s when you'd have Saturday afternoon and you'd tune to one of the local channels and it was a creature feature? Huh? Yeah, some of us remember that. So, well, today's a teacher feature. I'd like all the teachers that are going to participate this morning, come on up now as I introduce the theme and uh, grab a seat. They're all good seats. Yeah, let's hear it for our teachers. You know, it's really remarkable how many educators we have in a church this size. We have, we have ten. We have ten. And we only have nine up here. What happened to... Anyway, um, from Christian schools to public schools, from elementary school to the university level, we have teachers here at TCF. Uh, we have teachers that are relatively new at the job, and we have teachers that have been doing it that are really been doing it for a long time. <laughs> so this morning we're going to, yeah, Hallett started when he was 12. That's why he's been in teaching for so long. <laughs> this morning we're going to highlight teaching as a very worthy ministry profession. Now, not all of these people teach at Christian schools, but every one of them has a ministry in their place of service. So we wanted to take the time you know, we always pray about as elders and think about what should we feature Fifth Sunday? What's the thing to do? And when this idea came up, there was an immediate, yeah, that's right. That's a good thing to do. This is a really good thing for us to do. So um, we want you teachers to know that we think you are hardworking heroes. We see your hard work. You know, we do. We see your hard work. It's, it's kind of beyond the average hard work. So we want to honor you this morning. We want to thank you for what you do. And we also want to tell you that we pray for you by name fairly regularly in our elders meeting. And one of the things we want to do this morning is to encourage the church to make that part of their prayers as well. It's been 11 years since we had a fifth Sunday where we featured our teachers. The last, who remembers the last time? Do you, rem you remember the service even? I'm not saying, do you remember the date? Do you remember the service? Okay. Laura remembers because she lent us her video camera, and three of us went around. Jim Grinnell and I did, and uh, Andrew McIndorfer went around and went into the classroom of the teachers, and some of, some of you guys were already were teachers then too, and got pictures and video of them in what I like to call their natural habitat, the classroom. And uh, that was a lot of fun. And one of the things that we did... We featured uh, 13 teachers that day. It was January 2005 is the last time we did this. And we did this video, but we also highlighted the things that their superiors had to say about them. And it was really encouraging because the things that their superiors had to say about them were just glowing and marvelous. And so this morning we decided we want to hear from them directly. And so we are featuring our teachers here this morning. This is the group of teachers we have. We have Lynn Clutter, who teaches at the University of Tulsa. 
Jason Feathers, who teaches at Kendall Whittier Elementary, Hallett, who teaches at ORU, and Nancy, his wife, who teaches at Darnaby Elementary, a union public school, and Taylor, who's not up here, um, but Taylor teaches uh, at the Union 8th Grade Center, and Ian Rudzinski, who teaches at Edison Middle School, and James Thorpe, who re- teaches in two places, at Rejoice Christian School and Tulsa Community College, and Beth Troutman teaches at Mingo Valley Christian School, Dave Troutman teaches at Lewis and Clark Elementary, and Ruth Vasanen teaches at Metro Christian Academy. They teach a wide variety of things. So we're going to hear from them this morning on, on specifically four questions, and they, they had a heads up what we're going to ask them. And we're, going to, we're not going to hear the answer from everyone for every question, but we're going to get a smattering of, of uh, uh, answers to these questions. And then at the end, we're going to have an opportunity to pray for our teachers. And we have two designated to lead in prayer, but we're going to ask anyone in the congregation who wants to come and gather around and pray for these teachers because they need our prayers. They need our prayers. So first question we're going to ask is why did you get into teaching originally? What was it that drew you to the teaching profession? Now let me tell you, when you answer the question, grab a mic and put it up to your mouth. Don't try to lean over or or get close. Just grab it, hand it down if you need to. Okay. And I'm going to pick on Jason first because I know a little of Jason's story. And I know kind of, kind of, it it is volunteer. From from here on in, Jason, it's volunteer. But I just volunteered you. Tell me you've never volunteered a student to do something. You can, but, but, and you can after this. See, he's already complaining. Hold the microphone up and answer your question, please. I didn't even graduate high school. In fact, the last grade I completed was the eighth grade. Um, Through some bad decision-making, I was removed from school in the ninth grade. But God just opened up um, opportunities later in life. I had a a drive inside when I was about 18 to go get my GED. I didn't know why at the time. You know, later on it became clear. Um, And I always enjoyed working with kids. I worked with BASIC here. Um, It was just always a just a deep desire in me to, to, to work with kids and to, uh, you know, kids that had maybe gone through similar, had similar circumstances. And um, just as God began to open up doors and opportunities, um, you know, uh, as when I started school, I didn't have a, uh, really a major in mind, but just as I progressed through um, NSU, just it became more clear that I should teach. And... Um, the, uh, I think that also part of teaching, um, God led me into this endeavor as a redemptive process. For myself, and um, so as much as I enjoy ministering to the kids, uh, the the redemptive process. I think everything that we go through in life, God leads us into, is part of Him uh, redeeming ourselves uh, to Him, and. Um, Teaching has forced me to change in ways that I never would have uh, changed on my own. Um, take a hard look at things that, uh, because when you're dealing with a human element every day, you can't hide things. Uh, on the end of a shovel, um, you know, you can go, you, you don't have that personal interaction when I did construction and stuff. So uh, interacting with people every day, um, it just really... Um, 
shines a glaring light, you know, on the weaknesses in your life. And uh, so more than anything, uh, I also believe it's just been personally God led, it, uh, led me into this as a, a redemptive process for myself. So, Thank you, Jason. Who else would like to tackle this question? Raise your hand and then grab a mic. <laughs> now, see, I assume that some would volunteer, so I may have to do what I did with Jason and volunteer. Go ahead, Beth. I heard from a number of teachers that they were not going to speak. They were going to let everybody else talk, which okay. is totally against what they do all the time. I know. So I'm thinking you just call on who you want. I might just do that. <laughs> Beth, how about you, Beth? I talked. I'm done. No, 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 you haven't talked. Okay. I want to say something. I hadn't really thought about this, but Jason, I think it's really true for me, you know, um, not in terms of background kind of things, but, um, you know, I'm, I'm your classic, believe it or not, I'm your classic introvert. Uh, my wife would tell you this. I'm perfectly happy being alone. I can go for days without talking to anybody. Uh, my personal vacation is I go camp by myself. You know, that's my, you know. And so I just, I, I really I've really thought about it, but I think this is really the Lord saying, well, okay, I'm going to put you in a place that's not your strength. Uh, I've got something I want to do, and you may not feel like this is your natural kind of thing, um, but it really is like that. Day by day, you know, you, you're constantly in something. I mean, that didn't mean I'm, I don't enjoy it. I, I enjoy it. I, lo I love doing it, and clearly the Lord's called me to do it. But it's a, it's a place of um, where I can't rely on my own strength. And I think that I'm the kind of person who would tend to do that. So I think the Lord knew, you know. And uh, so that's really part of, I think, what the Lord has, has called me to do. Uh, one reason for that. Beth? I wanted to be a teacher since I was five. Why? I wanted to be a teacher because I hate school and thought, can't we do this better? You know? <laughs> Okay, I have uh, the other end from Beth Troutman is that um, I didn't ever want to be a teacher. And so I was in studio arts at ORU, and I loved making things, painting, making sculpture and everything. But my, my, um, my instructor said, well, you need a minor. You really need to take education so that you can have an income. And so I knew it because I only had about a year left. And I stood there, and I can remember the moment, standing in her office, and I said, okay. And in my mind, I was saying, I never want to teach. And I went through my student teaching, and I didn't enjoy it a bit. I just kind of endured it, got my certificate, and didn't ever think I'd teach. But once I had kids, <clears throat> some of my friends said, will you do um, some art classes for our kids? And once I did that, I just loved it so much. So it was something I just... By saying that, I'm saying that God will direct our lives. And sometimes something that we, you know, start out with or that he puts in our lives at one point, he's going to bring it around later. I was going to say I never originally wanted to teach. Originally, I did it for money. <laughs> um, I, I got my, uh, I got my, well, uh, let me explain. I got my I got my bachelor's degree at OSU, and I uh, was blessed enough to have it paid for by my parents. And they said, you know, my dad said, if you want to keep going to school, you know, find a way. So I applied to grad school, got accepted uh, to teach, you know, uh, getting a, um, a, a teaching assistantship. So originally, I went and I taught because, well, that's how I pay the bills. And uh, I enjoy public speaking. It's still kind of 
freaks me out, but it's kind of a challenge. And uh, I've always been, a, I think, a halfway decent writer, so I, I like helping uh, kids uh, learn how to write better. So, you know, it's not something originally I thought I wanted to do um, is teach, because actually I was Coach Thorpe's uh, student back in, I don't know how many years, a couple years ago, a few, and um, back in the ninth grade, actually. And uh, I was thinking, I would never want to do what he does. It's the worst job ever. But, uh, you know, it's one of those things I was surprised, and, uh, you know, I enjoy it. So if, if I, I may stay a teacher at the middle school level, but, you know, I may, you know, look at the university level. But it's something, whether, you know, whatever the grade is, I enjoy just helping uh, students uh, progress. So, yeah. And I started in nursing practice and loved that. And then when I had kids and uh, we were new parents, I realized that I could teach a clinical group at the hospital in the evenings. And so that was great fun. And also right around that time, we had a whole teaching here on um, spiritual gifts. And so I learned more about my own spiritual giftings and exhortation and encouragement were strong and um, I think at that same time I learned uh, my learning style and more about my teaching style and so both of those helped me to decide then later to to go into academic full-time and so I just think that that's a a good thing for each person to learn is how how you learn, but then also, you know, teaching style. Um, I, uh, I found I, the thing that drew me to teaching was I I just when I had kids I well before I had kids too but I I love kids and um, especially younger kids I seem to be drawn to and uh, so I um, I enjoy doing art and it was always fun to do art projects with my mother and family and, and so I thought well this would be really nice but I, I had um, I wanted to minister to kids who needed to know they were cared for and um it's kind of hard <laughs> when you have hundreds and hundreds of students to, and not very much time to actually make that happen. But um, that's um, basically kind of naively thought I could get into teaching and really help kids to feel loved. I guess I do, but you know, it's just um, I wish I could do more of that. Okay, let's move to the next question. How is teaching different? from what you expected before you got into teaching. When you tell parents what's wrong with their kids, they really appreciate that. And, and the kids always do exactly what you tell them the first time. And of course, I can't say that with a straight face. No, I... Uh, I was that kid in school who was in the front row furiously taking notes on everything the teacher said, and I would say, don't we have a quiz today? Because I studied, I want to take it. You can imagine how much that endeared me to my classmates. I think, as, as several people have already mentioned, um, 
God leads us into places that uh, that aren't necessarily strengths of ours or places that we would go on our own, that we would choose if we knew exactly what we were getting into. And I think God uh, has used teaching to help make me a nicer person to be around. Um, Is that true, Amy? <laughs> uh, there's just so much that goes on in teaching that is not in the manual. You really, if, if you're going to stay in teaching longer than just a year or two, you really have to come to grips with and accept the fact that things are going to go off of the plan. And you still have to have a plan, a very detailed one in some cases. And, and you have to have a detailed backup plan. And then you have to write a report about how it didn't go according to plan. And you have to be able to explain this to people. <laughs> you see all the nods. Uh, I used to stutter terribly as a child. And uh, through music and poetry, uh, I, I was able to learn how to speak uh, in such a way that people could understand me. But being in front of teenagers for 18 years, five days a week, I, I don't have a problem with that anymore. <laughs> I'm, I'm fine with, with standing up in front of whoever doing whatever, just about. I didn't used to be that way. And I didn't expect that. You know, that's, that's one of those things you don't think about going into teaching to overcome stage fright or going into teaching to become um, you know, better at performing in, in front of people. But there's a little bit of the actor in all of us, I think. Um, some of us are rather dramatic. <laughs> but... Um, it, it really teaches you to, uh, to look beyond the surface. And that was something that I hadn't expected. Uh, you know, I went into teaching thinking that, oh, the children would listen and I would explain. Yeah, right. You want to try that again, Thorpe? <laughs> People come into a classroom just like they come into church. Um, they've all got their own baggage. They've all got their own way of doing things. They've all got their own attitudes. And so do the teachers. <laughs> and then those attitudes collide, and it gets really interesting. And uh, being a teacher, God has really helped me to get comfortable with improvising, with taking people just as they are, uh, with allowing myself to not be perfect. I'm, I'm a recovering perfectionist. Do we have any others in the house? Yeah. My wife and I are both recovering perfectionists. Our poor daughter has it three generations now being the oldest child. But um, uh, being a teacher has loosened me up a lot. My wife will tell you I was a stick in the mud when we first got together. I'm not that kind of stick in the mud anymore. Um, I mean, you've seen me up here for VBS. I go nuts. But I, I wasn't that way 18 years ago when I started teaching. And, and I, I, that wasn't something that I expected God to do in me. I, I thought I was ready to start teaching, and the truth is, I was ready to start learning. Okay, let's, let's get our next question here. What are your greatest joys in teaching? You're still doing it, so you, there's got to be some. <laughs> My greatest joy is seeing the light click on in their eyes. I mean, uh, 
sometimes when come in the class, you know, it's like, you know, just like a bunch of drones. They're just sitting there. But when you explain something, and it's like, wow, really? They're excited to learn. It's like, what a joy. You know, there's no money on earth that can equal seeing that discovery of a child's eyes open up. And even when I work with adults, I think of uh, uh, some of the older women that I'd worked with, it was like, really? Why did it take me this long to finally see it? And that's the thing, that's the joy of being a teacher, is that you can see those moments of the light coming on. I think um, sometimes the greatest joys for me are when somebody comes back and says, well, do you remember when you said da-da-da-da-da? And I think, no, <laughs> not even once. But God uses us in daily situations when there's something that comes up and you just hear God say, well, and you just share that or pray with them or offer some thought or just, just right in the daily row of things. And then later you hear that God really did use something that you said or did. So that's probably one of the things. I really like it when the students are, um, I have students who say, I can't do that. I can't draw. I can't do this. And um, I, when we work through things and take things step by step, and it, at the end of the class, they go, oh, Mrs. Hollinger, look at this. Look what I did. You know, and they're so proud of themselves, and they know that something they thought was impossible for them, they found out they can do it. I just, that makes me real happy. So. Anybody else want to tackle that question? I guess I'll volunteer. Um, I think my grace joy, it's pretty simple, is just when they care. I mean, that's the problem, I think, with most of my students. They come to class because they have to or their parents make them. And even if they don't get what we're talking about, which is often, um, I enjoy it just when they have a look of, like, contentment and they, they're happy they're there. So just that they, that they care, really. So that's, yeah. I love the one-to-one. -one. And so I love it when they come to my office and, you know, we chat about things, and uh, this could be personal, you know, struggles, or it could be course content things. But I, I love when the light bulbs happen in class. But really, when the life changes happen, that's that's when it could be a clinical in the hospital, and you know, we talk through a procedure, and then we go do it together, and they succeed, you know, and enjoy that growth factor so that's good okay i want to spend a little more time on our last question because this is going to be a lead into praying for all of you and so the last question i want to ask and i'm hoping we'll get responses from several of you or what are your greatest challenges in teaching what do you find most challenging most difficult in your job this jump um, I've been, this is the one question I knew I, how to answer. The rest, I was like, eh. but uh, the, the greatest challenge is, you know, is respect. Because I, I went to a 
private Christian school, and I mean, Mr. Thorpe will tell you, if, you know, if we did anything wrong, you know, there's the fear of God putting you, you know, your parents would just, you would walk funny the next day, you know, and now, now, you know, at least where I teach, you know, I'm not, I'm trying to, I'm not trying to make, you know, the public school system sound like the worst thing in the world, but there's many great students I have, um, but there's a, there's a, you know, a good chunk that are just extremely disrespectful, you know, they, some of them harass me, online or prank call me which you know again i don't really care but you know it's it's just this disrespect for you know their elders you know and i'm i'm their teacher not their buddy and uh it's just it it seems so different from when i grew up which sounds like i'm really old but i'm not but there 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 there's a disrespect and contempt i remember i talked to a a student's parent once and i said he i was telling uh the student's parent that this son looks at me with contempt and he's like, that's dead on. That's exactly what you, you, you nailed it on the head. And I'm like, that, that's just, it seems so, so foreign to me that these kids look at their teachers with contempt and anger. And it's, it's something that I haven't seen before. So it's trying to get through to them, which it happens sometimes. But I guess it's just something that um, I haven't seen before. But One of the most um, frustrating things about getting to be around young people and seeing a little bit inside of them, seeing what their character is, seeing what their focus is, and then trying to explain this to their parents and and trying to gently, kindly point out the, that, that perhaps maybe this issue needs to be addressed, that we've seen this thing going on in their character and have the parents just blow it off like character is not the most important thing. Um, I, I had, even when I was at uh, Metro Christian, I, I had parents uh, that couldn't understand why I was talking about uh, biblical things. I had one mom talk to me about, why are you bringing up abortion in, in biology? I was going, where else are we going to bring it up? <laughs> Math class? I bring it up there too, but... Uh, <laughs> I've, I've had um, people just go nuts that I would bring up scriptural things at, at a Christian school. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, why are you at a Christian school? If you're coming to a Christian school, you need to really sit down and think about what you're really doing. And, and it's, it's the same at the public schools, too. They, the character of the young people is the most important thing about why I teach. The subjects are secondary. And if we're not there to train young people in righteousness, to help them learn about who God is and who they are, um, then we're wasting our time. Uh, at least I am. Um, and so that's, that's the part that drives me nuts, that, that distracts me, that keeps me up at night, um, is the people that don't see character in its proper place. To kind of further that point, um, probably being an effective manager of people, when you sit in the room with you know 27 sixth graders, and um, you know they they all bring in their baggage. You've got a lot of brokenness, and not only do you have a lot of brokenness from the students, but when you meet parents, you try to get parental support. You see the brokenness there as well, and not a whole lot of support too because. 
they're so consumed with their own problems. And so trying to draw that fine line between uh, there's content and things I need to teach, but I also want this person to know that if they leave my classroom not knowing anything, that they're valued as an individual, you know. And, um, you know, I have several students this year that just don't put any effort into anything. Um, and so uh, uh, as a teacher, you struggle with that. But you also want that individual to know uh, that they have worth, you know, that they are valued. And so that's probably um, my biggest struggle, um, getting, getting to those kids. There's no parental support. They're kind of on their own. And getting them to, first of all, um, value education, you know, to see some intrinsic value there. But also, <clears throat> excuse me, for them to see some intrinsic value within themselves, that they have value as an, as an individual. Um, I have had a couple of difficult classes this year that I haven't had, I mean, a lot of, a lot of difficulty in a couple of classes where I often have some of that, but um, that's led me to consider why is that, why are these two groups so much challenge for me? And uh, part of it is they aren't engaged in their part of education. They're ready for me to just pop it all in there, put it all in, line it all up, and then they're going to just spit it back out. Well. That leads to a group of people as adults who are willing to let you tell them everything to do and let you direct them and give you, um, just give you back exactly what you want. They're not willing to think or process or put thoughts together or change their, you know, change their thinking. And um, I have a concern that that's not just these two classes, but that's what kind of uh, values are being put in our society, kinds of things that are coming from families. Just give me what I have to do. I don't want to think about it. Don't make me think. And I, I feel like that's a concern for us as a nation because that's the kind of thing that leads to a dictator coming in because I'm happy to let you take care of things for me. I don't want to think. So that's my concern. I, I can talk about it if you want. <laughs> Well, we could talk about our conversations at the dinner table, you know, about about the kids, but and parents. Um, well, what Jason was saying about the the broken people that the uh, there are a lot of very needy kids that we all see, and um, <clears throat> some of them, you know, the more I find out about their, you know. Their, their situation and their background, I, I think I can't imagine how these kids cope. So um, um, children whose parents have been um, into like crack babies and they're, um, so <clears throat> uh, their parents are not together if they ever were and um, just lots of really, really difficult situations, parents in jail and, you know, different things. So um, anyway, I'm sure you all could say even more about that. But but um, the things that I don't hear everything about my students um, until, um, like, you know, something will come out because I'm talking to the classroom teacher about all these behavior issues, and she says, well, you know, 
this one was a crack baby and their parent, you know, all this stuff. And I'm like, whoa. Um, so anyway, um, and then they say, well, I don't think the child is capable of doing any better than what they're doing. So that's just heartbreaking. Anyway, let's go. So it really, it really strikes me, I, th- I think, especially the, well, not so much for me because I'm teaching adults and that has its own challenges, but really teachers are on the front line of really seeing what's happening with society. And we're really seeing the fruit of a post-Christian society and people who don't take responsibility for their own actions. They don't take responsibility for their children. I mean, it's, it's amazing. And I'm, I'm telling some, you know, the stories that she tells me, and I know that many of you have experienced this, that the parents, you know, there's their, um, you know, like, like it's, it's you know, prophecies in the Bible about it, you know, the, the, the times when parents don't love their kids. Parents are so caught up in their own lives and their own problems that either they don't know how or they don't care to discipline and take care of their kids. And teachers are really on the front line of that kind of, um, the fruit of that. So. There's an expectation culturally, I think, now that the schools are going to take care of the problems the kids have. And if the family doesn't do it, the schools can't do it. I mean, we can't. Wow. I don't know about you. That, those, those thoughts are pretty sobering to me. And uh, they, they really make, it's a great introduction to our uh, time of prayer for you. I want uh, Dave Eland and Karen Price to come up. We want them to lead us in prayer for you guys. And I'd like anybody who would like to come and gather around. We have some room behind. We have room in front. Anybody in the congregation who'd like to just come and lay hands on them and pray for them. We've gotten to hear some of their challenges, and all those challenges are definitely prayer needs. So why don't you two come up here, and I'll let you uh, use this mic. Um, I've been meditating on a psalm this week, and I just felt like there was a portion that I really would like to share with you as encouragement. And it's from Psalm 18, verses 28 to 33. For it is you, Lord, who light my lamp. The Lord my God lightens my darkness. For by you I can run against a troop, and by my God I can leap over a wall. This God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord proves true. He is a shield for all those who take refuge in him. For you, for who is God but the Lord? And who is the rock except our God? The Lord who equips me with strength and makes my way blameless. He made my feet like the feet of a deer and set me secure on the heights. Be encouraged, the Lord is with you all the time. Dear Heavenly Father, God, what a privilege it is to come and pray for these teachers. The ones that are represented here today, the ones that are teaching upstairs, or the ones that are not here. Lord, I thank you for each teacher. I thank you for the example they are in the classroom. I thank you that you give them wisdom and knowledge. I thank you that they teach and that they serve the next generation, Lord. Lord, there are so many prayer requests that I have at this time, Lord, but I would ask that your grace would be with them as they work with administrators, other teachers, employees, and especially parents and grandparents. Lord, I pray that your peace would be abundant in their lives as they uh, cope with stress and anxiety that comes their way. Lord, I pray that you would continue to give them wisdom and knowledge 
as they work with each student, Lord. May they see that child as you see that child, Lord. And may you give them the words that they need to speak. Lord, I just thank you that you are in these teachers' lives. And Lord, most importantly, I pray that you would give them um, boldness and discretion as they share the gospel with the students and the parents and those that are around them. And Lord, I pray that everything they do would continue to bring glory and honor to your name. Our Father, we're grateful, we're thankful for the many from among our number who have been called to the noble profession of teaching. It's so awesome to see you at work in and among and through these in all of the arenas in which they function. We pray, Lord, your strength, your encouragement, your inspiration, your undergirding. May the Holy Spirit overshadow them in every moment of their activity in their preparation, in all the work that they do. Our Father, we commend each of these, the teachers from among all our congregation, to the working of your will. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. And Heavenly Father, we're grateful that you've put so many teachers in our midst. We pray, Father, that now that we have heard their challenges, we have heard their joys, We've heard many of their experiences, Father. We pray that uh, you would bring these to mind often as they face their daily, weekly, monthly challenges of teaching in the ver- various venues in which they teach, Father. We're grateful that you've put them in our midst. We're grateful they're part of this fellowship. And, Lord, we're grateful that they, for whatever season of their lives you've called them to this work, that you will equip them that you will enable them to do the work that you've called them to do. We thank you for this, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.